Welcome to Amateur All Tours, the podcast where every week we sit down and have a discussion about a movie. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me is my brother, Brian, and we would like to welcome you to Amateur All Tours. Alright, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike, and joining me as always... Hey guys, Brian. And, um... Uh, it's coming up with a new episode. Uh, last week... Um, well, we, we had uh, another first impressions with the, uh, the Neon Demon, and I thought that went pretty well, and, but the week before, uh, continuing with the regular, uh, show, I guess, we had, uh, Brian's recommendation with Across the Universe, and, um, again, I, I, I enjoyed that film as well, that discussion was, uh, good. Hopefully the mic situation is better, um, as I was, uh, editing it, I realized that I don't think my microphone was working, and I think it was my laptop microphone, so the quality was iffy, in my opinion. I think as long as you can understand what we're saying, I don't really think it matters. Yeah, that's true. But moving forward, we're going to get into this week's um, discussion, and this this week it is my recommendation. And so I picked the comedy of Dogma, and... Brian, what is your exposure to Dogma um, before we really get into it? Well, um, I mean, for my exposure, at least in terms even of just Kevin Smith in general, um, I've seen a handful of his films. I've seen, uh, I saw every, I've seen Clerks. I think everybody's seen Clerks. Uh, I've seen Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I've seen Dogma, obviously. Um, what else have I seen of Kevin Smith? Uh, I saw that really shitty horror movie he made. Oh, uh, wait, wasn't that the, uh, like, Seal, or the Walrus or something? Yeah, it's like Justin something? Long or something. It's like the uh, Walrus, I think it's called. Something like that. It was pretty shitty. Um, but I've seen that. I believe that's all I've seen, though. I haven't seen Clerks 2 or Chasing Amy. Um, but, yeah, my experience with Dogma is, I mean, I've had a, a, a brief introduction of Kevin Smith. Um, also... Uh, I don't think it's a secret that Mike and I are, we were raised Roman Catholic, so that kind of sentiment that is, I guess, being, uh, parodied, and, uh, I, even, like, even, like, the backlash, which I think we can talk about later, like, the reaction to this film, we can talk about, I guess, with our closing remarks after the film was made, um, we're, I've, I'm actually, like, uh, aware of all that. I guess hysteria that even just controversy caused within the Catholic Church, and speaking as a Catholic, uh, it's it's. I mean, we need to lighten up, but uh, I I I don't mind it. Uh, but that that I can save that well, discussion for the end. There's, but there's I mean, a lot that, of... that's that's my. I I understood. I think it, this movie for me and you, especially since we're like we're. I just said we're both Catholics. It kind of hits a more personal. Uh, sentiment it's like hitting more strings with us yeah i mean there's a, there's the reason i picked this film other than i think it's funny and it's really good is that there's a lot of things especially about in this not not to be political but with everything that's going on in 
really the with the uh, 2016 election, with all the just recently the Orlando shooting, um, the Islamophobia that everyone that that is that is being um, I think perpetuated I think and I think even just the the uh, I guess the perpetuating just. I guess hysteria, not even that's like the Catholic Church, but just the political landscape in general, even like throughout the, the rest of the world. It's it's kind of, it's just getting quite ridiculous well, in my opinion. What I like about this movie is that it, do, it makes fun of everyone, but it also, I think it has some good ideas. And now a lot of people, now with Kevin Smith, um, I'm looking at his films and I have it, oh, the film that we were discussing earlier was Tusk, that's what it was called. But I've I've seen Clerks, I've seen Chasing Amy, Dogma, Jane, Silent Bob Strike Back. Um, I I've I've seen Cop Out, unfortunately. Zach and Mary make a porno. Like, oh yeah, I saw that. That's too, like yeah. the, the like I feel like early Kevin James is Kevin Smith. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, I think I said Kevin James earlier. Yeah, Kevin Smith. Um, I I enjoy. And Clerks too is is I I've seen bits and that seemed funny but I haven't seen the whole thing so I won't make a comment on that but um I don't know I really enjoy this film and I think it has some good messages and a lot of people kind of uh they look at Kevin Smith and they think that he shouldn't like he just he just got lucky he was a lucky indie filmmaker with clerks and then it went from there and that clerk like i've i've even heard people say that clerks is the worst thing that happened to indie filmmaking ever and i'm like Who said that's that? um i i i believe it was another podcast i'm not going to say it i'm not going to call it out because i could be wrong but it was from another podcast and I, I mean, like, if you're going to say Kevin Smith got lucky in, like, the 90s during, like, the wave, during the new wave of uh, indie filmmakers, then you can say the same thing for Quentin Tarantino, Darren Aronofsky, Paul Thomas Anderson, um, the Coen brother. You could say the same thing for all those guys, and if they just got lucky. Like, they didn't, like, they, Kevin Smith, honestly, in my opinion, makes good movies. It's just, some of the, some of them are, aren't as good as the other ones, but well, I mean, as far as him being lucky, I think that's bullshit. I don't know. I just think '90s his '90s work is is what he should be really known for. Because then it starts to get like I think the Jane Silent like Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. That like the, that's not a good movie. But. It's not, but it's I don't know. I'm that's another discussion all entirely. We're here to talk about Dogma, but. I, I like some of the messages that he writes into this, and that's one of the big reasons I wanted to talk about it. Also, I think it's a funny movie, and it's a well-made movie. Um, so, going into this, um, and and what you said earlier, it, it kind of reinstates what you said earlier when <laughs> you said that uh, us Catholics need to lighten up because of the backlash of this film. This, this opener, it... It's kind of like saying exactly that. Like, it's just a movie. Please don't hurt anyone. Um, it also reminds me of Monty Python. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was because, say like, that. the disclaimer, um, in that he says, well, like I said, he pretty much says, this is only a movie. Don't kill anyone over it. But the Monty Python bit comes in because they have that whole platypus talk where, like, God has a sense of humor. You should too. Look at the platypus. And then they go off saying, oh, sorry to the platypus enthusiasts. They're a great. A humble creature that um that 
it's they well, shouldn't make fun of them. Well, but I like how this movie is is so completely aware of itself, which I appreciate. I'm glad it's not played off like just straight. Like it even opens up with like the disclaimer, like as a definition, a statement made to save one's own ass, and it's like. Yeah, you kind of need to have something like that, because this movie is bound to offend... I mean, it doesn't really pull its punches when it comes to, uh, like, everybody. Uh, I feel like the, sh- the like the shots it takes, or the jabs it takes at people, aren't necessarily... They're, they're not really cheap. Like, I feel like well, they're not... like Not, not I mean, that they're well-deserved, but they're not, like... I don't feel like know, they're there, low there blows. There are some shots where I'm like, alright, like, now you're just being a little uh, too... Uh, sensitive, I guess. Uh, it, it's too... You're being too obvious about it. But that was only in some circumstances. But in general, I think this was... I don't really think there weren't a lot of elements in this movie that were, like, in bad taste. Um, but yeah. we'll get more into that as they come up. Yeah, so we open this film, other outside of the disclaimer, um, with a boardwalk in New Jersey with ski ball in the background, and this old man gets beat up by kids in, like, hockey gear. And... It's like seemingly unrelated. I yeah. didn't, I didn't I didn't realize I forgot who this person was when I went to rewatch this film. Yeah, but it sets up pretty much the well, it sets up like a reoccurring thing, but it really pays off in the end. Uh yeah, so this this old man gets beat and then it's I don't know, it just seems kind of unrelated, but then we cut to New Jersey with <laughs> the opening or not not so much the opening of a church, but like kind of an announcement with Catholicism wow with none other than the great and late George Carlin as um I, I forget the uh, Cardinal Glick. Cardinal Glick, Glick, yes. Um and it's it's just so it's just so funny. I love I love especially later Carlin, his delivery of things and his facial expressions are always just so great. And well, I love I'm like I love who better than to be like I couldn't think of a bigger proponent of like organized religion than George Carlin, and he makes fun I, of everyone. I, which well, is I couldn't great. I couldn't think of a better person to play a cardinal of a Catholic church than George Carlin, in, <laughs> in like in the sense of like this situation of like making fun of it of a parody of itself, um, and I think it's it's perfect. I I love seeing George Carlin, yeah. and this is kind of where we can start the discussion where Catholics need to lighten the fuck up about yeah. some of these things because I found it hilarious. Because it's one thing to, I mean, I don't want to get too political, but I'm a Catholic, so I can say things. Um, it's it's one thing to, uh, I guess, uh, pretend that you're you're not at fault and that you don't have any faults, and to be a hypocrite. But it's another thing entirely to recognize or like to stand in the face of your criticisms and say they're complete bullshit when they're not. And that's kind of what I, I appreciate about this movie is that the things that the mo- that the film has to say they're not wrong, and the fact that I can sit and appreciate sit back and say yeah, like that that's what's wrong with me or not even me but that's what's wrong with whatever organization I'm a part of. It's a problem that we need to talk about, and I feel like and comedy is one of the best ways to yeah you can go about. you can sit there and say this is what's wrong with it but also have a laugh while doing well because that's so. that's the point of comedy and as the comedy in essence is something it takes a completely ridiculous it's it's funny because it's a ridiculous idea and it 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 exaggerates them and and it and it brings them to light in such like a a dark way that's why it's funny because it it, it kind of like it points out 
why it's so ridiculous in the first place when we make fun of it. And that's what I appreciate about this film, and also as a Catholic, because, I mean, in every organized religion has, like, okay, I'm not, this is just a generalized statement. There's always, somebody always has a beef with some sort of rule or sort of a guideline that a religion has, and, um, and, and by saying it in this movie in regards to Catholicism, I recognize those, I recognize those faults, and... Uh, I, I definitely agree that these are some issues that need to be resolved and talked about, and I appreciate what uh, George Carlin is saying is that it's like people think the Catholic Church is obtuse and, and uh, hooky. Well, it's and it's it's it's. I think it's even greater because to me it's still more or less relevant today. In that he said, like the whole idea behind this Catholicism, wow, is. He says, oh, the Catholic Church is boring. Catholicism, wow, is to make it more relatable and stylish. And my favorite quote at, from from this scene is that uh, Christ didn't come to give us the willies. He came to help us out. So we're yeah. so we're going to instant. And so now I'm paraphrasing. We're going to institute. We're going to get rid of the crucifix uh, to, and we're replacing it with the buddy Christ. Yeah, buddy Christ, yeah. It's just Jesus Christ giving you a thumbs up, always and, always and there to help you out. And it's just it's just I think it's a really it's a good way to kind of open the movie and just kind of let people know what they're in for. I remember I I watched this with um one of my buddies when before he graduated last year, uh I went over to his apartment and we're like, "Oh, let's watch some movies." So, we watched The Big Lebowski and dogma and it was funny because he was part of the um the the Christian athletic associate what whatever that like that that religious like section is i don't i don't know exactly what it was but it, he was in like the religious like thing not not as like an overbearing thing but he was just in it because he he um i guess he was religious but I watched this movie with him, but I knew he had an open mind, and he found it pretty funny, and he's like, well, we shouldn't, and a few other people came over later, and so he's like, yeah, it's a good thing we watched this now, because none of these people would tolerate that. Oh, his roommates, have, does, um, does St. Joe's, I don't know if, um, if, uh, I know my school, they, uh, it's, I forget what it's called, but it's like text for a, uh, what, like a, a, a grilled cheese, and you ask, you send your text in, asking about anything about the about the Bible, and these people, and in my in this in my uh, my friend, his roommates were those people that made these grilled cheeses, and they had this huge whiteboard asking all these questions down, and they thoroughly looked into each answer, and when they delivered your grilled cheese, they would give you an answer to your question, and so I watched the Dogma with him, <laughs> and, uh, it was kind of funny, um, he, he liked the movie, he thought it was funny, so it was good that he could get a laugh out of it, but, um, I thought this, this movie, this, this scene kind of sets this, the tone of what you're about to watch. Oh, yeah, totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I agree. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, moving on from that, it kind of, it transitions from, like, a newscast into, um, with, uh, well, I think did Milwaukee. you, did you, uh, notice who the anchor was in the newscast no. like this is this is like the first uh cameo that kevin smith made like that he that he inserts into his films of his p previous work clerks 
um, in that the anchor is oh, uh, Brian O'Halloran, which is Dante. Oh, really? Okay. Like yeah. when you said when you said that, because there's 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 two other cameos that I picked up on. I don't. I know you're gonna pick up on another. It was another Clerks one, but I don't know if you picked up this next one that's coming up soon, which I'll get to I, that. In I'm a pretty minute. sure I told you about this. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think so. But Brian Quinn. No, you never told me about that. I saw oh, I it actually I when I when I watched this with my buddy. I'm like, holy shit, that's Brian Quinn from. Yeah, the I remember Jokers. I saw that too the first time I saw this film. But anyway, backtrack, backtrack. Okay, well, cameos, yeah. we um, we transition uh through that broadcast into uh, I think Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or at least Wisconsin, and so. Um, we're introduced to our, our characters, Loki and Bartleby, played by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, and they are fallen angels, and we, in our first, in our introduction, is Matt Damon, or Loki is, he, he can, he's able to convince a nun to renounce God, uh, through, uh, through the looking glass and Alice in Wonderland, explaining that, I, I don't know exactly, it was, it seemed like very, it seemed like a lot of info just saying, oh, this is this kind of renouncing um, established religion and that re- established religion is a joke. But in the end, the point is he turns a nun away from God. And and it's funny because Bartleby, right after that happens, um, Bartleby, it, it says, well, he says to Loki, you know there's a God, you've met, you've met him in person, Yet you like convincing people that there's not a god in Loki. That's why I like fucking with the clergy. Yeah, see, that's why I like. That's why I appreciate this film because it, it's 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 a, it's a funny commentary, but it's 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 not even like it's not even the type of film that says what you believe is wrong. It's actually the contrary. Like the movie blatantly says that God exists. It's not even contradicting somebody's faith. It's just like presenting it with a different twist, and that's why people are getting offended. But in the wrong, it's 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 like it's pointing out the hypocrisy of other people. Like we'll get into further points in a, in a little bit. Like normally, a person would say, "I'm not going to watch this movie because it says God doesn't exist." This movie blatantly says God exists. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, and it kind of takes away the credibility a little bit when it just kind of starts a- attacking sentimentality rather than, I guess, ideas. Yeah. And so, <clears throat> excuse me. Um. Yeah, and so yeah, they they blatantly say there's a god, and and that and and it establishes that Bartleby can read people, and well, also that well, I think throughout this dialogue, this exposition, that this is this whole bit is just kind of exposition and sets up the MacGuffin for the movie and sets up the like the yeah, pretty much just the MacGuffin, in that um, Lo or Bartleby says to Loki that they're going home, and. And that they were banished from heaven, but if they pass through this arch at the, uh, the the church that we had just seen, that they'll be absolved from their sins, and that they'll be able to go home as long as they die as mortals. And so, yeah, they, they cut off their wings, they're absolved of their sins, they go home. And, 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 the, and Matt Damon, Loki, said that this can't happen because God says it can't happen, but through... Um, church law it is divine law, and so it's a do- do- dogmatic law, and so there's kind of that they found a loophole in the system, and 
this all, and this is where we get that whole bit where Brian Quinn is in the background, just, just like as a background character. The, Brian Brian Quinn, if for those of you who don't know, is Q from Impractical Jokers. Yes, the very popular, um, pr- I, I guess, prank show for on um, True TV, and very funny. Uh, I listen. Yeah, it's to- hilarious. If you guys don't know what that is, I would definitely recommend watching, giving that show a watch. Yes. It's, it is hilarious. And and I also. I do want to say that Brian Quinn and Sal Volcano, another Impractical Joker, have a podcast that is equally funny. Um, what say you? I would say go yeah, listen to them doubt. as well because yeah. uh, on unrelated note, uh, I would say definitely I, go I listen have, to them. I have teared up laughing so hard. And I have well. And I, and I have so, too. So, but a yes, quick plug. Unrela- yeah, quick plug. We aren't related in any way to them, just wanted to sh- give that a shout out. But anyway, um, we get, uh, and so before we leave this area, Loki wants to uh, kill kind of the, I don't know about his later work, but definitely in like the Clerks and in the Clerks universe, in this universe, in the Jane Silent Bob universe, uh, the movies, like kind of like the McDonald's of this universe, in that. Uh, Loki wants to kill them all. He also used to be the Angel of Death, which is also established in this. Um, he wants to kill them for, uh, I guess, uh, creating like a false idol or god. And so, well, yeah, like they're idolaters. Idol. I don't. They they idolize things. It's they. It's it's idolatry. He wants to punish them for idolatry. Yes. And so that <laughs> and. Uh, so anyway, so they we get that out of the way. Pretty much, well, not all of it, but a good amount of expo- like the the plot exposition is pretty much all finished here. And and then Loki says, "Oh, let's kill people." And then there's that bit with the elevators shut. And then Dogma pops up on the screen. And so then we get really into the, like the thick of our of our film here. We cut to Illinois. We're in a church where. Uh, it's kind of just a, like a regular sermon on Sunday, and people are just uh, are disinterested. And this is where I really relate. And this is uh, yeah, like like pe- uh, there's a guy listening to music. Kids are fighting. There's multiple people that are falling asleep. Someone is reading a comic book, um, and yeah, it shows that like literally nobody. They go to church, and nobody's paying attention. Yeah, and like our main character, uh, Bethany, she is just reciting. Um, I, 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 uh, she's just reciting, uh, prayers and readings just with no passion. Uh, we're also set up here about John Joe, Dur- or John Doe Jersey, who is, um, it's not said here, but he is through dialogue. It's the man in the beginning of the film that was beat. And they're talking about, um, the church is against euthanasia and that they should be completely against it. And it sets up the, it sets up for a payoff in the end. So, yes, once again, so it's just kind of like disinterest in, in people in church, and no one's really listening, and uh, more foreshadowing. And then we cut to the Planned Parenthood, where... Which, which... Um, is really taking a stab at people. Which is kind of like... And, and in this scene I wrote that outside the abortion clinic, the, um, the people who are picketing and protesting, uh, the, I'm assuming they're all Catholics, and... And and in this scene, they're all portrayed as hateful and incredibly simple. Um, and I know it's a generalization, and I know these people actually do exist, but um, 
And well, even even in the sense it's like illustrated how ignorant and stupid they are when the woman's like stu- like just kind of uh, Not- disinterested says, "Oh, is that the Pope?" And they're all like, "Whoa, wait, where?" And then the, and then she walks away, and they're like, "Hey, wait a minute, the Pope wasn't there." Yeah. And and it's really like painting, I like the I guess I can't tell if it's like Catholics in general or just the people who protest. I think it's uh, I think it's it's more or less like the sheep that just kind of follow blindly without really putting their own thought into the teachings or whatever they're being told they're just mi- they're just mindlessly following what people are telling them i mean but in the film though like i mean i guess you, you that's all just from assumption cuz like the, the film never explicitly states <clears throat> that like the priest is saying to hate, like, to, to act dumb and stupid. It's just kind of, you kind of just are thrown in the situation, and then you just say, oh, look at those dumb Catholics, which, I mean, like, I know people who, yes, it's a very simplified version, but I know people who are kind of like that. I mean, that's a caricature, but I know people who would do well, that. Well, I mean, this you know whole movie's I mean? a satire, so... No, I know, I know, I know, but... It, it's it's just an interesting note. I mean, me and like me and you as like moderate Catholics. I mean, if if okay, I'm not gonna take offense because I'm not like a you know a little pussy who like can't. I can take criticism. What I said at the beginning of the film, I'm like I look at that and I say, yep, like that's a problem. Uh, I can move on with the film, but it's just something I noticed. Yeah, I mean. As a satire, it's obviously going to over exaggerate people. Like there, I there's no way there, there's there's no one in this world that someone's like, oh shit, it's the Pope in like the middle of Illinois and like what? So well, yeah, I know that it's yeah, like yeah, so obviously. it's obviously just an, a satire of just who these people what, what who these people that do that are. Um, yeah, it's just they're just trying to paint them and saying like the people who kind of act like this are the ignorant ones. Yeah, and so. This is where we get, I mean, it's kind of like back and forth dialogue, um, and it's also establishing that our main character, Bethany, is kind of losing her faith. Um, I, I, I I, think it's funny when, uh, like, kind of the, the, the lines of, um, oh, why don't you go outside, those are your people, and, uh, and then her friend, and then her friend, or, Bethany says, no... Like they probably hate me more than you. You're Jewish. Like you at least have an excuse. You don't know any better. And then it's funny. The the Jewish friend says, "Well, we use that excuse when we killed Christ." And it's kind of like the I don't know. It's like kind of that banter that I thought was kind of funny. But what they have this discussion on faith, in that they say faith is like a glass of water when you're, and when you get old, like when you're young, the glass is is little, so you don't need that much faith to really fill the glass but as you get older the glass gets larger and larger and the same amount of yeah and the same amount of liquid doesn't fill it so you need which i kind of i actually kind of like that argument yeah i like that idea and then uh and then bethany says i think god is dead and it kind of is that first insertion of that she kind of has i don't say a a, i I guess yeah a grudge against her creator well i think it's funny well it's funny because immediately after that the the friend is saying well talking like a true catholic yeah you you think god's dead which i got i laughed at that i was like (laughs) that's funny yeah um but well i mean i mean even even we have been i mean i remember we were during the summer we were at our friend's house and i think they're baptists um and and they were they were talking about something with prayers and i remember my friend's father made like a little quip about 
Catholics, and I'm like, and I'm like, believe me, like, with us Catholics, like, everything's in the dark with us, like, we all keep secrets, even from us, and it's like, it kind of just goes in with that, that kind of rationality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so, <clears throat> I know, I, I really like that, that idea, and there's a lot of things that I wrote down that I really like, especially when we get into, um... Salma Hayek's character, and not, I mean, Chris Rock has some interesting things, but definitely, like, Sarah, uh, or not, Salma Hayek's, uh, Muse character, because I think she really has some really interesting things to say, but, uh, then, now we're introduced to our, like, our really, our main villain of Azriel, played by, um, what is, he, he was in my, in, he's in a lot, he's featured heavily in, um, Kevin Smith's at least earlier work, um, it's Jason something, um, I don't know, whatever, the, the main, I can't find it, but the main, the, the character's name is Azriel, and he comes up and he takes over and establishes, Jason Lee, Jason Lee, that's it, wait, what did I say? You said Jason something. Oh, okay, yeah, Jason Lee, that's it, thank you, and, um, so he comes in, he, like, he kills this woman and takes the, and he's from hell, so it's funny that he takes a home, he, he asks for central air, because it cools him down, and <clears throat> it's his base of operations, and he's sending out, and this is where he sends out and controls those hockey demons from earlier, and that just kind of sets that up, but then we, fa- then we fast forward to uh, Bethany's room at night, and this is when... I really enjoy this segment because the voice of God comes down, and it is, again, the late and great Alan uh, Rickman. Uh, yeah, uh, seeing Alan Rickman again, like it really, it really. Okay, so I'm gonna say there are two, there are two deaths, uh, celebrity uh, passings that really hit hit hard. Uh, Robin Williams and Al- Alan Rickman, those two guys really hit me hard when they passed. Yeah, and. and- just, just seeing Alan Rickman again, he really is like I would say, he's the he's my he's like he's the heart and paternal spirit to this film. Yeah, he I mean he's perfect in his role. I mean I love him here. I mean I love his his sass and his delivery of everything. But I mean right here it's more kind of it's more sassy, if that in my opinion. But then later on it's more of that paternal kind of guiding voice. Um, well, he, he's like the heart. He's yeah. the heart to the film, in my opinion. Yeah, and and I I, I love I love the line where he's like, "I am <clears throat> the Megatron," and it's like, you know, have you never heard of me? And then he says, "If there," and this is when he exposes his wings. And if there isn't a movie about it, it's not worth knowing. And I think this is a commentary on just people in general. But <clears throat> in this scene, we get more expo- exposition. So, um, there's the wings. Uh, God can't talk to humans, which sets up the ending. Um, well, I like I like how they set that up because they're like, "Oh, why doesn't God talk to us?" <clears throat> well, it's like, well, because you humans can't fathom how the, the awesome voice of God. he is, like how yeah. awesome his voice is, and that your head would explode and your heart would explode. And I love the line we'd we went through five atoms before we figured that out. Yeah, and and, and I think I think this is where he explains the uh, the Holy Crusade uh, and. I, I like the I, I like I like the the like the little the throwaway lines. It's like, like you want me to go on a holy crusade? It's like yeah, Noah was a drunk and look what he did. It's like you just got to go to New Jersey, um, <laughs> and stuff like that. Well, also it sets up. Uh, well, it says you have to your your task is 
you have to stop angels from entering a church. That's it. And and he says under his breath, like he mumbles something like, "What's that?" He says you have to stop angels from entering a church and negating all existence. And yeah. and this is where he explains, um, the Loki and Bartleby why they were banished. And he says God used to be very vengeful, vengeful, and it was a very not a very good time. And Loki was the angel of death, and and he would do all of God's bidding. Um, and right after he wiped out all the firstborns of Egypt, he and Bartleby got drunk, essentially told God to fuck him, fuck off, and he qu- and he quit. And then I love how that point uh, they're at they're getting like tequila, and he's he's taking a shot, but then spitting it out. And he says at this point, God decreed that angels can no longer uh, drink alcohol. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like, I like, I like the whole exchange that they have here, especially when he's telling the story and then he says, um, well, Loki was, uh, wiping out the firstborns of Egypt and then, uh, Bethany was like, ah, yeah, yeah, the, the, the plagues. And then he's like, oh yeah, now every, now you're a theology scholar as soon as it's, you see it in a Charlton or a Charlton Heston movie. And, um, and then also that, and he's like, oh, did like, where did he banish them to hell? And he's like, no worse, Wisconsin. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, frozen tundra and wasteland. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 then we get into this issue that why? Uh, well, Bethany says, well, why can't they beat the system? Like, good for them. Why can't they go back? And and Alan Rickman states that if they were to get back into heaven, they would prove God wrong and declaring like God is infallible. Like, if you can't, you cannot prove God wrong. In the moment they step into heaven, they prove God wrong, and all existence would be negated and null and, and uh, ruled null and void so and so uh, everything would be gone they would unmake the world essentially and Bethany says well that's too bad I don't care and and this is where it kind of that first kind of drop line here it's it's a little bit more delved into and in that she says she can't build chil- she can't bear children her faith had died when uh, an infection in her uterus had pretty much wiped her ability to create life. So, uh, Alan Rickman says pretty much get over yourself. Like you're going to be mother to humanity. Um, just because you have a grudge against your creator doesn't mean that you should, like you should allow everyone to like suffer. So, um, Alan Rickman then goes into like, you're going to have support. You won't do this alone. You're gonna have the prophets. There's two of them, and I love this. I love this bit in that when you meet them, the the first one will speak at great length, and then the other one is the quiet type, kind of insinuating who we're gonna get to. And then after this whole spiel, um, they go back to Bethany's room and kind of wakes up. Kind of that whole like you can believe it's a dream or not, but she finds. Uh, she finds props from the night before that... Yeah, she finds the maracas. Yeah, because yeah, they went to a, um, a Spanish restaurant that makes it believe that, oh, this actually happened. But then we cut... Well, do you have anything to say about that scene before we move on? Because um, I love the next scene. Oh, no, yeah, I have nothing to say. I, I have my notes on the next scene, too. Yeah, so we cut to that night. Because the last scene was more about exposition and kind of setting up characters and motivations. So that night, Bethany gets attacked by these hockey demons, and she gets saved by none other than Jay and Silent Bob. And yeah, I, they, they, and they, I uh, love these guys. They, especially, they beat those those mighty duck fucks. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote that down. Go back to your paper routes, you mighty duck fucks. And everything that 
that Jay says is pretty much quotable. His perfect, it, it gets, in my opinion, it kind of gets old as, as like, like in Jay and Silent Bob, I think it was kind of the last movie that worked. <laughs> it kind of, because some of it worked and some of it didn't. It got really old really fast. They're good side characters, but I don't think they're, like in Clerks, they were fucking hilarious. Um, I, I loved, I loved like the song that Jay sings like, fuck, fuck, fuck it, he fuck, or so, I think yeah. that's what he does in the first one. And but here, like everything they say is quotable. I knew them in I knew them from Clerks before this, so seeing them here is just it's just perfect. And um, Jay actually, at the very end of the film, he has my favorite quote of the entire movie. But <laughs> I and I just I just love the whole their whole reason that they're there, which we'll get to in a minute. Because this next bit, um, it kind of just is more establishing how. They're, Bartleby and Loki are talking about going to wipe out the movies, but we get the cameo that I met, the second Clerks cameo, um, with the gun manager. Do you, do you know? I don't. I don't remember his name. Actually, I guess I'll. Look. Oh yeah, that uh, I wrote him down. Uh, Jeff Anderson. That he played Randall. Yeah, he was one of the. I think he he was my favorite character from uh, Clerks. Um, but yeah, he was there, and they just. You know, they just Bartleby and Loki just kind of talk about their past, but I really just kind of want to skip this scene because it's not really it doesn't really add anything. It's kind I of mean, like it's a just funny kinda, scene. It's like just it's it's more just talking about how Loki <laughs> is just really good at killing people. Yeah, and it's also funny how he's like, oh yeah, mass genocide is just really exhausting, and uh, they're talking about like Sodom and Gomorrah, I think, um, and and it also just it it gets to the fact that um, now Loki has a desert eagle. Yeah, he's I'll pick he, I'll pick this one's the biggest handgun in there. So, but the next thing, we get into a diner with how we get to New Jersey. And it's funny. Well, first off, I want to talk about Kevin Smith's writing. So, as it goes on, it was pretty, I think, meh. But the 90s, I think it was really at its highest. And this is really especially true in the, in the John Hughes bit. So, the reason Jay and Silent Bob are in Illinois is because they wanted to find the fictional town where John Hughes sets pretty much all of his, all of, like, his films there, uh, 16 Candles, uh, Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, Pretty in Pink, and I just love that, that whole bit, because there, he's talking about the whole, he's talking about the movies, uh, and it's funny, because I just watched The Breakfast Club, right, right, uh, before I watched this film for this podcast, it says, oh, The Breakfast Club, what, what kids actually show for detention, um, Pretty, Pretty in Pink, I can't watch it, because this, this tubby fat ass starts, le- he always cries when she, uh, she goes to the prom with her, like the like the guy that she wants to. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I also love whenever I always love watching uh, Kevin Smith uh, be Silent Bob. Just how whenever he like reacts to whatever uh, um, Jay says, Jay Jay sang. It's always just like a funny little uh, like like it's like a mind they have. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a back and forth, but it's like a verbal and a nonverbal like back and forth, and. Um, but what's funny with this John Hughes bit is that the one thing they realize is that there's really no drugs. Oh, I also love that the, he thinks that Jay thinks all of like the characters are pussies except Judd, Judd Nelson in Breakfast Club, and but they realize, oh yeah, there's no pot, there's no pot distributor. So if they came in as a drug dealers, they would be making bank. But then they realized that there is no um, fictional town where John Hughes sets it. So. Uh, that was, that was pretty funny, but, um, I also love how Jay is obsessed with sex, 
and in such a, an immature way in that all right so you're gonna you're gonna have sex with us at, for rescuing you but i go first and jake and bob can get like sloppy seconds it's like so crude but i think i mean i guess it's like it's just funny in that kind of raunchy way oh yeah totally yeah i agree um Jason Muse is such like a raunchy dude in general, but his delivery is always spot on and funny because it's so just rude and like perverse. But he plays it like so straight. You know what I mean? He looks like he he looks like a lord of Dogtown, like yeah, one of those skaters. Yeah. yeah. And but anyway, so <laughs> they they set up. I and she says, "Oh well, do you believe in God?" And he says. Oh, all of all, and the reason they go to um, a Planned Parenthood is so they can uh, meet chicks to, oh, to have yeah. sex with because, oh, they must be loose because why else would they be going there? And it's like, just like really weird things like that, but it's kind of funny at the same time, just the way they deduce that. And uh, when she says, oh, do you believe in God? He's like, oh, all of all the loose chicks, we get the, we get the one Jesus freak. And then we'll pay you. I just need to get to New Jersey. And they say, oh, we'll drive. And then, and then Jay breaks the car because he's speeding down at a hundred miles an hour without changing gears. Well, because he's he's driving a stick shift, right? Yeah, he's driving a manual car. Yeah, and he's like, oh, I don't know what like gears are, and I'm like, oh my god. And yeah, so just, yeah, he he busts the car up. Yeah, and... it, it's just more establishing that Jay is an idiot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then did you, so this next scene? Did you have? I didn't really have much on this bus scene. Which, oh well, I. I mean, I just wrote, it's it's more of like a commentary of like, like, how can you be so sure at what incurs the Lord's wrath these days? And because they're saying like, things are constantly evolving and changing. And like, I remember Ben Affleck used the example of like eating meat on a Friday. You could get stoned that, for that. Yeah, you could get stoned for that. And I think so. It's really just accentuating the outdated nature of scripture, I think. But uh, Matt Damon highlights the fact that, like, the major sins never change, which is actually true, in my opinion. Yeah. And, I, and like, they use the example of, um... Adultery. Some dude, like, adult, like, cheating on his wife or something in the, in the car next to him, or in the seat next to him, and he ends up just blowing him away with the, uh, the pistol, and it's, and it, like, it ends with, uh, them getting off the bus, and Matt Damon's like, I told you so, and then he's, like, starts dancing or something. Yeah. Um... But that and it, but and then it, it 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 shows how they're also now without a ride. But, yeah. So everyone um, is pretty much on the same means of travel. Like they're all like they they have to walk everywhere. And so, interesting enough, our next day, um, they're trying to like I guess fix the car, and uh, we meet Chris Rock, who is Rufus, who is the thirteenth black apostle, who falls out of the sky. Yeah. Uh, which is funny. Guys like way... us just don't follow this guy. <laughs> J. Jason Mewes, yeah, saying this. And, yeah, because yeah, Bethany Beautiful. leaves, and this is, again, what you said earlier, like, the, the exchange between Jay and Bob. Um, Jay is the voice, and Bob is, like, the expression, and I love it because they're, like, um, Jay is saying, oh, well, she's never going to have sex with me now. Oh, and, at the, like, before they left, they said, uh, if we have five minutes left in the end, like, before we all, the world exploded, would you have sex with me then? He's like, in that unlikely event, yes. It's like, man, she's a, she's a slut. Bong. But, um, so he's, Jay's saying, she's never going to have sex with me. Maybe you, but not me. And then she says, no one's fucking me. And then she walks away. I'm like, 
you broke our hearts. We fell in love with yeah. you. And then Bob is just like, was like, he's, oh, like, he's, 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 he's animated. Yeah, he's he's animating what Jay is saying. And then guys like us just don't fall out of the sky. And then Rufus falls. And then Jay looks up and says, "What well, he says, beautiful, big-titted women don't fall out of the sky every day, or something like that." Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then Rufus wakes up, and um, I, I, I enjoy this character. He's, he's pretty insightful, but he's also funny. Um, I, I, I mean, I feel like some things he says is like in your face, but also not. At the I mean, same I feel time. like I feel like the character of Rufus, especially in the next scene, like essentially, so. They they introduce like he was the thirteenth apostle. He's dead, uh, and he says, "I'm hungry, so let's get some food." So they go to a movies restaurant, and this is kind of where they have the discussion about uh, this is this is the commentary I think that reflects uh, how some Catholics reacted to the movie. It's kind of like meta in this way. It's like Kevin Kevin Smith knew that like they were gonna react to what they were saying because what. Uh, Rufus states right now is how some people reacted to the news, like that they that they just said. So basically, in this scene, Chris Rock says um, Jesus is a black guy, and um, it's it's and it's it's. I think what's important here is that he's he's pretty much saying that, or I think what Kevin James is, or I keep saying Kevin James, Kevin Smith. He's he's implying that. And I think um, Selma Hayek also infers this down the road that the Bible is written by man, and so the writer is they manipulate the facts of how they want it. Well, yeah, well, and it's not, and it's not like, and it's not the, it, and but I like what I like is that he says it's not like the message is what counts, but you have to take into account like people are. They can change. They can also change the message if they see fit. Well, I mean, he also said, um, like, what I wrote down is like, Rufus was getting at that, like, people really only want to hear, especially in this circumstance, Catholics want to hear only the good stuff, like, like paradise, being in a place with God and heaven. And but he said, like, as soon as you know your Lord and Savior is a black guy or somebody who doesn't necessarily fit your, um, I guess, rationale of what you believe. Uh, it's it's hate and hypocrisy. Yeah. And and this is and this is where Beth is like, well, who cares as long as the message is right? And I think this is where he says, well, uh, he said, I I don't. He said he he likes ideas, not beliefs, because it's harder to change. Well, I think he he says idea. that later on, but I think it's, oh, okay. I think it's like it's set here. Um, one line that I I, I liked from this is that he said, um, oh Jesus. Uh, he told me when my number was up, but, uh, yeah, it's like people had said this right before they stoned me to death, and then Bethany says, oh, you were a martyr? He's like, some would say that. Others would say I was, I was, I was killed by big fucking rocks or something like that, and, um, it's just, and I think it goes more into, like, how people spin what was said. Like, he's saying, like, I was killed. I was, I had heavy stones thrown at me, but other people are saying I was, or you could say I was martyred. But, um... So that's kind of what happens from that scene, and that, um, and then we get to the strip club where the muse is introduced. Um, Sama Hayek, holy shit, she is hot as shit in this. Oh my god, I mean she's, she's just a beautiful. She's woman beautiful, in but here it's like really amped up. And well, I mean, I think this was like her dust till dawn 
Phase Two. I don't know what year would Till Dust Till Dawn. I think that, that was that was mid '90s. This was nice. She had a, an amazing uh, scene whatever, in that one too. Dance scene <laughs> in that too. Yeah, with that nice boa constrictor. But um, yeah, but. I, I, and, it, and this is funny because it's the bidding war between Bob and the and like the gang members, and and it's I mean it's 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 showing that the muse is is able to inspire people, but in a, in a very like comical way, like it, provocative way, yeah, <clears throat> yeah, in that like she's she's nodding and the gang members are trying or like the gang members and the and Bob are like out trying to outbid each other, and it's just kind of it's just pretty funny because they don't it's. They don't re- like Bob doesn't really see what he's doing because he's just so entranced by the muse, but um, no, it's just kind of a funny scene. And then uh, Rufus, like, oh shit, that's the muse, like yeah, it's serendipity, yeah, yeah, serendipity. But before we get into like their big discussions that I really like, um, we get to um the movie headquarters where where Loki and Bartleby fulfill their dream of wiping everyone out and they kill everyone after this yeah. big long-winded speech of how everyone there is like a piece of shit is a mortal sinner except one woman um but pretty much all the it's also it's interesting because now that i think about it everyone that he says is a is is a, like an absolute like someone that deserves to die they're all men except the one person that isn't is a woman and it's and it's interesting cuz the next scene they say um uh, Selma Hayek, uh, serendipity says that, um, man had introduced the idea that it's, it's women's fault for all the, like, the downfalls of man, and especially, like, with Adam and Eve, it was Eve that bit the, it, that bit the apple, and then told, or then got Adam to then follow her suit, so I think it's interesting here that the only person that isn't, like a really mortal, horrible, morally bankrupt person is the woman. Maybe I'm just looking too deep or too like deep into that, but I don't know. I mean, I I never really took it as that, but I mean, I didn't until this. You're probably moment. not wrong, but um, yeah. I mean, I don't really. I have. I I don't really have much written with Loki and Bartleby. No, I, until I, I, I after have, this moment because yeah, I really don't have anything written for that scene other than just it's. I mean, it's just showing how, like, dangerous they are, um, and, and also, I mean, it's also, I think it's just, like, it's a commentary on, like, uh, I mean, this whole movie's a commentary, but it's just a further, uh, ke- way of Kevin Smith just, I I guess, drawing the, the parallel between the competition between corporate greed and God, which, I mean, is, like, that's, that that's, like, an age-old story anyway, I mean, even, like, we see that in, um, uh, like, oil, like Upton Sinclair's oil, the Paul Thomas Anderson's There Will Be Blood. It's like the ultimate like power struggle between uh, organized religion and corporations. Uh, I guess I guess power and like greed and <clears throat> stuff like that. Yeah. But but I mean it, it really I mean ultimately it just shows how like that's wrong. Uh, like idolizing money and being greedy is sinful and wrong and how all these pieces of shit get their their uh recompense like how they get theirs in the end their comeuppance yeah yeah so after that we get back to the strip club and here we have bethany's the last zion which is explained later on but uh it's funny jay and jay and bob are chilling with the gang and but going into i've mentioned this with like serendipity and rufus and bethany 
I like what they say here, and like I said, this is the re one of the reasons why I recommended this. So the big it things that I have is that uh, God is a woman. Now I and it's just people add their own perspective, and that the Bible is gender biased. Now I never took that Kevin Smith was trying to say that God is a woman. I I mean I always I my inter interpretation of of God is that. He, we when we say he or she, it's just kind of a way because we don't say it. Um, we see God as a person, like someone that would uh, create something with uh, like a conscious. Like it kind of implies an object with no humanity. Whereas um, giving, well, I, I feel, but like I, I see God is is isn't man or woman. It just he just is. He's just but a force. But you already put. You already put like a, yeah, a, a but that's title just on it that's just he, from that's just from that's years our, that's our upbringing, of up, so. yeah of upbringing in the Catholic Church of God He is the fa like Father He is the Father oh yeah so um it's but I like the idea that um well I mean I think they're not trying to say I think they're just trying to give another spin that um and that this that God is a woman and um there. Are like the Bible's gender bias, as I mentioned earlier, that woman is pretty much like the fall of man, according to the Bible. And these, I have these next, I have these next few uh, quotes that I really enjoyed. I'll just read them off. That serendipity says to Bethany is that she is a, she has issues with people who treat God as a burden and not as a blessing. She thinks, I don't think Catholics, but. She might be referring to Catholics, but people in general, people don't celebrate their faith. They mourn it. Uh, now, these next two is what I really, I've starred. Um, it's it's not about who's right and wrong and that no one is specifically right. And it doesn't matter what you have faith in. It's just as long as you have faith. Yeah, like she, I remember, um, I think I wrote, like, there. he's getting at that religion is too self-righteous not to realize that having faith is what's important. Yeah, and ultimately. I think, like, like I mentioned earlier, like, with everything that's going on, I think these are, like, big things that we need as a, as, as a humanity, as a, as a unified, as a, as, as a unif uh, unified, or as one race, we need to understand that it's not, as serendipity said, it's not who's right, who's wrong. It's just, as long as you have faith, that's really all that matters. It's not... My God is better than your God, or you shouldn't like you're you're completely wrong in, um, in, in uh, in praising this this version of of God, and I th I think that's something that is is a powerful message that we that as as the human race we need to remember that well, no one is right like, or wrong. That's all. That's definitely the essence of like any religion. When you boil down a whether it be Buddhism, Judaism, Hinduism, Islam, Christianity, the essence is peace. Uh, I've, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm also not like a, a, a theological scholar here. By I'm not any either. Means. Uh, I, I want to preface but, that we are not like, yeah, we, we're, we're we are just, just some, two average just schmucks. Who yeah, like exactly. Like, honestly, but at least from my interpretation. Um, when you boil down any major religion, it it's essentially essence of peace and uh, comprising like a, a a sense of serenity and wholeness and just being that uh, I, the interpretation of humanity like it's I 
I mean, I'm not trying to sound like Kantian or whoever, like utilitarian, but it's like our inherent, I guess, desire to uh, base each other into these arbitrary groups. That's like philosophy 101. That's my college degree right there for you guys speaking. <laughs> um, that it's it's like an inherent quality of man to like group each other in the different uh, subsections of groups. And then it's like because of the we're in these groups, we have to naturally compete against each other. And then that's where we find, in my at least in my interpretation, where religion, such as like uh, radical Islam or even radical Christianity and hate groups, and other even like the Buddhist monks who like murder people in um, Burma. I mean, it's not Burma anymore, but you know what I mean. In that, and like in the Malaysia regions, like all of those instances of, of violence spurred by religious motivations, it's because of this just inherent quality of misinterpreting and losing that idea of faith is what matters uh, and not like really what you believe as long as you believe it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you and I, I, I like I said, this is, I, I like these messages that are being spoken. Well, cause it's something that needs to be said. Yeah. And it's funny. It's like these messages are found in a movie that these, I guess really, I don't say radical, but really, really strict religious people are going to dismiss this film because it is blasphemy and it, it, uh, it denounces like our Lord or something like that. And it's like, I feel like they have a lot to learn if they just had an open mind about this. Um, well, as, uh, as the quote serendipity, leave it to the Catholics to destroy existence. So <laughs> just leave it at that. That That's the review guys. I Thanks mean, it's, for listening. Yeah, but, uh, it's, I mean, going off that, it's not even, it's not even like Catholics. It's just everyone. Really? No, I'm just saying that's just what oh, Serendipity yeah, said. Quoting but anyway, so we get our shit monster right after this. Um, yeah, the Golgotham. That that was so gross when the the initial, uh, I guess, introduction like of that character. Of the, uh, yeah, the the overflow of the sewage, and it's like it's just putrid and disgusting. I think it's. And, I mean, I think I I think it's an interesting villain because it's like the collection of the excrement from the place of like the crucifixion where like Christ was crucified. Because, um, like, as crucifixion as is one of the worst ways to be killed, um, as you, I mean, as you die and you lose control of your, like, of everything, pretty much, your body shuts down, you lose control of your bowels, and, um, all the excrement from these people that were crucified on this hill kind of collected and into this, into this monster, into this demon, and... Um, the way it's knocked out is is kind of funny. I think it, it's weird because serendipity is like making a Molotov cocktail. I guess it's just kind of like it, but it's never used. Well, it's supposed to be like exciting, and yeah. then it, it's funny because I like because then um, Silent Bob just casually stands up and then just uh, knocks it out with a uh, like defeat strong odor spray. Yeah, knocks odors out, and they're like, "Why would you have that?" And then Jay farts, and he blows. He he gives it a whiff, and then <laughs> wasn't yeah. me. It's like it's one of those like kind of like a Three Stooges moment. Um, so we uh, so after that, um, well. Serendipity says, I'm going to try and get information out of this guy, so you guys go ahead, get to New Jersey. And at the bus station, Bartleby and Loki, well, they find out that they, like, through their little stunt, and they're also maybe, like, late, that they they can't get to New Jersey through the bus, through the 
to do, I think, whatever transit. And so, but then here they meet uh, Azrael, who he's kind of, he's giving them a warning the last Zion is sent and that everyone is looking for them. And yeah, heaven and hell, they're all, everybody's trying to stop them. Yeah, and that, yeah, heaven, yeah, everyone in heaven is trying to find them. And like they, well, God is, as we're going about to find out, is missing, but angels are pissed off. Uh, Lucifer is pissed off um, because he, I mean, there's lots of well, reasons. Well, because existence is going to be. Existence hated, is so. going to be um, wiped out, but also that they were going to beat him, like. They were th- what Bartleby and Loki were going to defeat God before the devil could. So he's pissed off about that. And so we get to the train station and where Rufus, Rufus and Bethany talk. And uh, I like this another thing that Rufus says that Jesus hates what people do in His name with uh, the Crusades, with violence, uh, pretty pretty much like spreading of hatred, pretty much. Yeah, the, the factioning of religion. And building a belief structure. Yeah, of taking that. a good idea and building belief around it, and it's better to have ideas and not beliefs because ideas are malleable. Like you can you can change an idea, you can alter a, an idea, but you can't you can't change something that is a fixed ideology. Well, and and this is where he says, um, I I believe he I believe Rufus says though like the world is in danger because of Catholic doctrine. Now, like, yeah, we get it's that in the be- it, it, in the context of the film, yeah, obviously, but it, is there, like, a double meaning? Is Kevin Smith trying to say something applying to the real world? Is he is he trying to say that, like, the Catholic doctrine is, like, poisoning the world I, as I don't, it is now? I don't know that he's... Because I don't know how I don't, I don't think he's. I don't think he's trying to say... I think for the purpose of the film... Obviously, because be through. But that's kind of like a, a bold statement, even just to declare in general, like the world is in danger because of Catholic doctrine. I, obviously, in, in well, in the, the context movie, of the film, yes, because yes, it's but, because yeah. of the Catholics. No, I know um, that. Like, they're, well, I know because of their moral laws, it is dog. It becomes dogmatic law. Yeah, I know. And that. thus, it's true. Like, but in the context of the film, yes. But I don't think he's trying to say like, oh, Catholicism Wait, he, is what's well, wrong. Could with he the be world. applying it? I guess. I mean, this is just looking too into it, but like, I guess is he? What about like religion as a whole? Like, I don't, I don't know. I think he's, I think he's trying to say with this as film in that, as in the the belief structure, th- not even as like having faith. Just I think, as a belief structure. I think what Kevin Smith is trying to say is that, like, I'm trying to figure out how to how to put this with with like re- with religion. Like, religion is has its good has its good and its bad. And he obviously explains it, the good with religion as well. Like it brings people together. People have faith in something, and sometimes that faith is what is the only thing that keeps people going. But he also brings up the negatives with, like the Crusades, fighting, like killing in God's name. I'm right, you're wrong. That mentality. I think he's speaking in general about religion like he's i think he's trying to qualify the good and the bad because if he was if he was saying that religion is bad he would be portraying god as still this vengeful creator that would just what would that would spite people or smite smite people for out of for no reason but in this especially when we do meet the character of god the creator they are not vengeful or spiteful or they're not going to... Like, you know what I mean? So I feel yeah. like as he's speaking on the good and bad things, he's just having a... 
his saying on religion, organized religion in, as a whole. I don't think yeah. he's trying. I think for the for the sake of the film, he's he's pointing out Catholicism, but on a wider scope and spectrum, he's speaking about religion in general. Yeah, I I uh, I totally agree with what you're saying, and I think that as well. I just wanted to have that discussion enter this this uh, this conversation. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's something that definitely should be had, and I like how Kevin Smith is kind of enabling people to kind of have that discussion, and it's not like an in-your-face kind of way. But getting back to the film, this is where all the characters are pretty much intertwining. Uh, Larry, or, I was about to say, well, Larry and Barry, um, Loki and Bartleby—they're all together. That's kind of like their uh, aliases, just because they're talking, but they're unaware that this is Bethany and. Jane, Silent Bob are their, like, enemies. So, Bethany and Bartleby, they get to know each other. Uh, they get fucking plat... Well, at least... Well, not Bartleby, because they can't drink. Um, but Bethany gets really drunk. And you get to... And through the scene, you get to know more about Bethany. And, and it it, it kind of makes Bartleby more tragic in that he asks, when did you lose your faith? And it's 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 really heartbreaking for both of them because... You can see that Bartleby just wants to go home. And yeah, he's, it's more of like a tragic figure, more so than like an avengeful or angry. Well, I mean, he turn he takes that that longing and it turns into hate and sad, like and depression. But yeah, it's a, it's an incredibly tragic story. Yeah, and like with Bethany, you find out um, her like uh, she had, well we mentioned she mentioned that infection that pretty much destroyed her uterus and her ability to create life. And she's so drunk that she's she's laughing while she's saying it. Well, she's not really laughing, but she's not. She's saying it in a tone that is not sad. And you find out, like, her, her husband left, and she's saying, I lost my faith at this moment when her mother was trying to console her, and she said, it's all part of God's plan. And she said, well, what about my plan? Like, I, what, did ever, did God ever think about me and my life and what I wanted to do? But in the end, there all there is a plan, which it kind of I mean it it subtly ties that back at the very end of the film. But um, but uh, yeah. So I I thought that was a very endearing scene until uh, Bethany. Well, I, I, as a side note, I also liked how um. Bartleby isn't drinking, and neither is Loki. And it's funny because um, Bob and Jay are smoking with with Loki, Matt Damon's character, and 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 um, Jay passes the joint over to um, to Loki. Says, "Oh, hit this shit. This is so good." And Matt Damon does a like. He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." And he like puts his head down. He pretends to smoke it because he he can't because he's a he's um. He's an angel. Angel, yeah. And so he passes back, and he like kind of mimics what Bob does. I don't know. I thought that was kind of like a funny thing, in that Jay is so stupid he buys that he actually did it. Because Bob kind of has this face of like, huh? I don't, I don't. He's kind of suspicious. But I don't know. I thought that was kind of like a funny interlude. But yeah, and then they, and then they, well, then they figure out that um, Beth is the the last Zion. They have this this really big fight. Uh, Rufus confronts them as well, and then. Uh, Silent Bob throws both of them out of the the train, and then I, I believe this is the first time he's talked in the film. Yeah, this is um, this is the only line. I think what what is about Bob 
is that in I as 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 long as like at least in the films that I've seen, he only speaks one line of dialogue. In Clerks, it was there's a lot of fine women out in the world, and a lot of them are gonna cheat on you, but none of them have brought you lasagna at work. In um, Jane, Silent Bob, don't remember it. Chasing Amy, I don't remember. But in this one, it's just a really quick line. After he throws them out, he says, "No ticket," as because someone. Uh, um, watched him do this, and he just kind of does a quick thing, and I think he like lights a cigarette, and he says no ticket. Yeah, it's pretty funny, um, and then he doesn't speak at all through the rest of the movie. But um, but then after this, um, we get to Bartleby just completely loses his mind. Um, he has this really crazy like rant, and that he's he's jealous of the humans and the mortals. He thinks it's unfair, it's unjust, and. And uh, Matt Matt Damon's like fuck this I'm out of this, and and as the rant goes on Matt Damon says you you know who you sound like you sound like Lucifer you want to go you want to have a war on God and the people that have war that declare war on God it, 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 they don't win they never win and so uh, it really just portrays Bartleby as just crazy as hell. And he's yeah. not backing down. Yeah, yeah, that's like this is the the I guess the point of no return, uh, where Bartle Bartleby uh, completely just snaps, and this is where he's now loose cannon, and and now this is where things start gearing up for the climax, and you're like, oh shit, yeah, it's and getting well, real. And so this next bit is where the last Zion is really explored, um, with Bethany in that Which, she is yeah. the last bloodline of Christ. Now this is probably another thing that really got Catholics and Christians and really any Was this when was the Da Vinci Code written? Written? I don't know. Because I mean that isn't that isn't that like the plot to the I da always Vinci Code? I always I thought that the Da Vinci Code was well, it's not the plot, but I thought it's like a no, side it's thing. Like, is that she's like a like a relation? I always thought that it came out in two thousand three. I thought that the Da Vinci Code was that it was Mary Magdalene. But no, the whole point is that there's a lineage. To, oh, okay. For, to Jesus Christ that stretches into the millennia, like our millennia. But I think the issue is that here they're saying it's the Virgin Mary. But no, uh, I, I thought. Oh, right. But I don't know. The, I, even, I, I mean, never... regardless, it's still a lineage to Christ, and I mean, regard. It's either okay. So it's in this version, it's Mary. In the other one, it's um, it's Mary Magdalene. But like the thing but... is, like I, I mean, I don't know. It might be Mary Magdalene, just because I, uh, I haven't read the Da Vinci Code, and it's been a but long seen, time. But I've since seen I've seen the movie. I haven't but like, read the book but either. But there'd be a fundamental difference in that, um, the the Virgin, like Mary, the she she. Uh, she, it was like an immaculate conception that she was a virgin. She always remained one, um, and I think that idea, like, like that's that she's like a miracle that she was able to conceive without. Well, conception. I thought it will in both versions. They never dispute the immaculate conception. It's always who has the children afterwards. Yeah, because in this version, it's. Even Chris Rock is like, well, like that's just ridiculous to assume that a married man, a, a married couple, would never have uh, sex. Like, you would never have sex and have children. Like, that's just ridiculous. Um, and then that, and then that's when we get to that Beth is a direct lineage to Jesus Christ. Like, as in, on like, like a chromosomal level. 
Oh, uh, and it's like it's his like great 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 times a hundred niece. Yeah, um, or something like that. And and then this is where she leaves and is like kind of denying it. And this is like and this is what I find interesting. This is the Garden of Gethsemane, or how do you say that from the Bible? It's when it's when Jesus runs away and. Uh, kind of screams at God, saying, "Why do I have to die?" He's he's like running away from his his, his destiny. Yeah, is it? Wait, and, is I mean, I only know that. Like, I'm not like I don't I don't know much about like uh, religion, how things played out. I'm I mean I'm I, I guess I'm more familiar with that from Jesus Christ Superstar. No, that was in the Bible too. Cause oh really? Everybody, I'm pretty sure because everybody went to sleep. And then he's saying, and then he's like questioning God. He's saying, like, why do I have to? Oh, do this? I see. I, I, I don't. I haven't read the Bible, and it's been a while since I've heard that tale. But um, I, I, I guess I'm more familiar well, that's with it. I was reminded from it from Jesus Christ Superstar. But I also, I remember. I think that was like, I, I, here we are, Catholics who barely know like the Bible. Like, but that's not Catholics. We are, but um, I don't know. I think. I, I mean, that's I'm just, just saying. I, I, I believe that like Jesus did was turned away, and like he wanted he was afraid and he wanted to turn away from his de- his destiny. And I feel like the parallel is being drawn here. Yeah, and like this is when Me- um, Alan Rickman comes back, and this is when he really becomes that like paternal pa- like uh, heart of the film, in that he 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 talks to. Bethany, like, this is who you are, and that she says it's too much, and he says, well, this is exactly what Jesus said when I had to tell him what his destiny was, and that he's like, imagine I have to tell a 15-year-old child that he is the only son of God, and he is going to be crucified and persecuted by the people he has come to save, and he's like, that is, that is something that, like, how does a child come to terms with that, and it's, and and I think what I really like about this is that Alan Rickman comes off as very understanding and caring. He says, if I had the power to take this away, I would, but I don't. And it's unfair, but it's just how things are supposed to be. Yeah. Um, did you say, like, how uh, Beth said it was too big? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I I, I must have missed that part. But, yeah, um, I, yeah, I really – you said the whole paternal spirit – uh, is like it returns embodied in Alan Rickman, and I really appreciate that role that he brings to this. Yeah, it's a very it, it, it's that heart, and I and he's like he's sassy, but he also he can be really caring and really take others into consideration when he needs to. Like he knows when to be serious and when to kind of like be that sassy person, but. So then we get transported to a restaurant, and it's funny because I guess Jay is smoking. He's like, "Oh shit, I think this stuff is kicking in." And but here we get more that God is missing, and that he's a skee ball fanatic. Or they are a skee ball fanatic, and that they have gone missing, and no one knows where he she is. Um, and we also get that uh, Alan Rickman says that it it can't be Lucifer because he has too much to lose from this whole ordeal. And he would have, and he would have taken, if, if it was, if he was behind it, he would have at least tried to take heaven by this point. Yes. So, um, uh, so they, they, so Jay gets the idea, like, the way that we should stop this. Like, they're like, well, what are we gonna do? Like, we're gonna kill these angels? Like, you can't kill an angel. And, 
So what they do is they try, they go right to Father uh, Glick, and they try and close the church, and it, it doesn't work. And what's funny um, from earlier is that um, like, the, the church does not make mistakes, and they're like, well, what about the Crusades? What about the, uh, the, 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 the non-involvement during the Holocaust? He's like, and, like, the silent consent of slavery, like, all that, and... And, but he's like, yeah, like we've made mistakes. It's like, all right, mistakes were made. <laughs> I think it's a little too on the nose because you can kind of say that, like, for anything. You know what I mean? I feel like, I feel like, if everything in this movie, that's a little too on the nose. Like, oh, well, what about this and that and this? I mean, it's fine. Well, in it the context, detract, they but... say like, this is a mistake if you do this, and well, he I mean... says the the church doesn't make mistakes, and they say, well, yes, you do. Yeah, that's true. Because I, I feel mean, like I, I most love... most organized religions say oh we don't make mistakes we are perfect in everything we do or they try and hide behind like oh we are like we are i don't know we're so holy we can't do anything wrong and they just kind of yeah disregard everything they that has happened I, i like the whole uh caricature furthered by george carlin in this like he's uh he's playing he's putting with uh, with the the uh, the chalice, you know, that you typically yeah. drink the the holy wine out of the blessed wine out of the blood of Christ, um, and then he's like, fill them pews and like hook them while they're young. Oh, um, and they it, say, oh, what about the uh, the tobacco industry? He's like, oh, if we only had their numbers. Yeah, it's it's it's. I find that hilarious because I, f- uh, I mean, it, it's it's just a caricature and making f- and satirizing the Catholic Church, but it's like it's kind of like true the the way. You know, you always want bigger numbers in the way, <laughs> in like in the face of like a a parody, this this plays off completely, you know, uh, genuine. <laughs> yeah. And I find it hilarious. Like, oh, oh no, had I. Their this numbers. is exactly my type of humor. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, me um, too. So they say no, and they they can't really do much. So they go back to this bar where serendipity is. And 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 it's funny because Jane Bob stole the holy driver. And and they're like, oh yeah, fuck that asshole. Like we uh, messing with our woman. Like oh thanks guys, that's sweet. And then Azriel comes in and he is established that he is the villain. He is the puppet master of everything. He is setting every piece and every pawn in this. Um, now as a side note, did you notice who the camp- bartender yeah, was? It was? Yeah, that's Wade from Grand Theft Auto Five. Yeah. Um, for those of you who are familiar with the game. I mean, Grand I think you... five. Well, he is the juggalo. Uh, the the he's Trevor's uh, companion, not not Ron, the the old guy, the younger one. Um, who wears the and the like insane the juggalo clown face posse. paint? Yeah, who has a lisp and is uh, portrayed as being a little mentally handicapped in the in the in the game. Uh, but it's just that voice. Once I heard his voice, I'm like, that's I, I know it. that voice. I heard it, and I was like. Holy shit! And I looked it up immediately. I looked up uh, Grand Theft Auto Five like voice actors, and I saw like Wade, w- whatever his name was, and I looked down. I'm like, holy shit, it's him. That's funny. But it was it was it was definitely the voice, and even he kind of looks like him too. But well, yeah, I mean they do the face like I, for the game they did the face structure. Yeah, well, yeah. So, but you yeah. know what I mean? Like I, it's distinguishable. But um, so um, here a uh, Azriel says, well. I well, we also get the bit that um, Azrael was banished from heaven because in the in the in the big holy war where um, 
the uh, angels who dissented went with Lu when Lucifer's like uprising, I guess you could say. Um, he well, Azrael is amused, but he didn't pick a side, so he was kind of in the middle, and he was gonna wait until to see who came on top, and and he's trying to wipe everyone out because he was banished to hell, and he absolutely hates hell, and and his line of thinking is that he obviously he obviously will be wiped out as well but after seeing hell he would much rather not exist than be there so that's like his whole his whole plan and but he doesn't reveal where god is because uh he says oh i've seen enough bond movies where i know never to reveal everything even if you think you're going to win and after the plan is revealed serendipity tries to um, inspire Bob to hit, or, or to take the, the club and hit, um, Azrael with it, so Azrael's just like, you know what, are you fucking kidding me, whatever, I'll give you your best shot, and he opens his chest, gives him a free hit, and Bob takes the club and smacks in it, and it punctures him, and then, um, the hockey kids are taken out, uh, which I just noticed this first time, because I always thought it was just water, but she says, bless the sink, and then, yeah, I never, I just picked that up now, and then she blesses the sink, and then it kind of demolishes, yeah. or it disintegrates well, it, them. Yeah, yeah, cause I, f I think, um, she even, she was like, what is that, and then Chris Rock was like, it's like the benefit of, like, being a bloodline to Christ, like, you can just bless water or something. Yeah, oh, and then she says, oh, I, I should try the, uh. I should try the water to wine, water to wine trick. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah. So the it turns out that the golf club worked because it was a uh, instrument of God. Is the only way you can kill demons, and uh, they said, "Oh, Glick's the asshole that would bless his clubs in hope of a better game." So yeah, it's kind of like another jab, but it's funny because yeah. there are probably people that have done that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, then they get right to the church, and. It's a big, bloody mess. Almost everyone's killed. Bartleby is... He's... They, at this point, they have exposed their wings, and Bartleby is taking random people and just dropping them and killing them. He's uh, taking out repressed emotions, as Loki says. But Loki has his wings cut off, so he's able to get drunk, and he's developing a conscience. And uh, Bartleby comes down and kills Loki because Loki is no longer he he is sympathy and he's he's no longer gung ho for the plan and then um I'm trying to think I'm should I just like explain what happens at this point cuz it's like I mean the movie's almost over so yeah, yeah the, the movie's going. pretty much over a long fight ensues um they think they're pretty much screwed at this point and so it's funny that Bob or Jay takes Bethany he's like all right we have 5 minutes to live you said you would have sex with me and then the, through this dialogue they realize that the homeless man, uh, John Doe Jersey, is God, because he's, uh, he's found on the boardwalk, there's skee-ball there, and so Bethany has a hunch that this is God, goes there, unplugs him, um, not, and, and throughout, they're, um, they're trying to fight a, um, Bartleby, uh, Rufus, and Serendipity, and then Jay takes the gun, and says, uh, I forget what he says, but he ends up shooting uh, Bartleby's wings off, making him mortal. So right as Bartleby is right is about to go through the um, the archway to be absolved of his sins, um, Alan Rickman and God come through the archway and stop him. 
and let's let's talk about God here. Um, I'm not sure of the actress that plays God, but she is like portrayed as this very beautiful, young, vibrant, um, later on bubbly um, existence, and I really think that's really I think that's I think that was perfect. Like I'm glad God wasn't like this old white dude or well yeah this I mean because it, it's like refreshing it's like vigor, youth, beauty, innocence. I really like that. Uh, like I feel like the when you're really supposed to like picture faith and beauty and like believing, this is kind of what you should believe in. This young, beautiful existence, not really like some some old patriarchal power. Yeah. Um, and I, and I and I really like how God is like like you said bubbly and like very sweet and kind, um, pretty much how like you should picture God. Um, and like like after like she cleans up the spot and then uh, Bethany she's like doing she's doing handstands. Yeah, but, well and Bethany stuff. comes back and she performs another miracle. Um, she well Bethany was killed somehow, but it's not a big thing. Well, she was. I think it's just a way that she's touched by. God. I feel like the way I feel like the way she died, it was supposed to mimic the way Christ was stabbed on the cross. But it was her. Wasn't stomach. she like stabbed? What? He, he was stabbed like in the ribs, I believe. Yeah, I thought she was stabbed in the ribs too. No, she was like her. Like it was. I. I. Okay. I imagined it more of as her, like uterus, area because God. Oh, that makes sense. Because, because when God, when she, when she brings her Bethany back to life, um, well, she does like the. As Alan Rickman says, wax on, wax off, um, and then she's uh, uh, she's she uh, is able to bear children or a child again. Well, she's bearing the uh, the next last Zion. Yeah. But what I like is when she's brought back, Bethany wakes up, and then God just kind of like gives a, a little wave, and then she goes off and does handstands in the corner, and she's wearing like plaid shorts with like a nice um, kind of like. Like a nice white dress, but it's like it's kind of uh, like frilly at the bottom. Oh, I forgot to mention. Well, right. So the way Bartleby is killed is God opens his mouth or opens her mouth, their mouth, and his head explodes and his heart um, explodes because now he is immortal. And and my favorite line is when yeah, they well they Jay. cover they cover Jay's head so he doesn't hear it and he and he gets up. He says, "What the fuck? Why were you covering my head?" And then they're like, "Oh, what a he's mouth like, on this one." He says, and then he's and he says, um, "My favorite he's one." Like, what the fuck happened to that? Yeah, guy's that was my head. that's my favorite yeah. line. What the fuck happened to that guy's head? And then um, God comes up, shuts him, kisses him on the cheek, and then he faints from just I guess the power of it. But that was backtracking. Moving forward, Bethany goes up, and I think she asks God, "What is the meaning of life?" And, and it's I, I think love it's this. it's like it's. It's so it's perfect. She so God looks into Bethany's eyes and boops her nose and then walks away. Yeah. And it's like it's it's perfect. <laughs> it's just like you can interpret that in whatever way you want. Like well, there is no, no answer. That's how I no took real, it. There's no real way to interpret it. It's just like a cute moment as if like yeah, I'm not going to answer that. But it's I, not I like took it. it's that, not like you can interpret that. I took that. that as like there is no real meaning to life like yeah i i think there you can interpret this no like, i feel like because i, mean, I think I, there's I, an okay. answer i feel like, like doing a little boop on the nose is just like a sweet tender moment saying i'm not gonna answer that like see i didn't i didn't interpret it that way i took it as um 
that maybe there is no reason. It there is no meaning to life. It's just exist or that, well, like, I mean, that's, be free I mean, living. That's 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 what I. I mean, I took it as like. It's like here's this sweet little tender moment. It's like that's that's that this little tender moment is like the meaning of life. This little boop on your nose. It's like, yeah. See, but we're getting different interpretations, so you can interpret it. I mean, I guess, but I mean, I I look at that moment as like kind of just like a sweet little icing on the cake moment. It's not like trying to be too philosophical. Well, I'm not saying it's philosophical, like, but you can have an interpretation of what that means. But it doesn't have to necessarily be like this in depth. Oh, like. Like from a, like it doesn't have to be like a hitchhiker's guide like twenty three whatever that uh remember the the meaning of life the big computer I'm well, that sorry. was just a joke I know that but I probably well, I know that was but a bad like, example whatever um but I'm saying like you can interpret that that's what I'm trying to say and uh, so I think that's really the movie everyone they go back Rufus and the muse go back to heaven um everyone's happy. Uh, everything is right in the world, and, um, is there anything else that I'm missing with this ending? I don't think so. Okay. I think, I think that's the movie. Yeah, um, and then we have the credits of who plays who, and it's nice, it's a nice, it's kind of, it's just like a, oh, it's over, but, so, that brings us to the end of the, uh, this discussion, um, since it was my recommendation, Brian, I believe we, uh, you go first for your recommendation and closing thoughts. Um, okay, so, um, so, I, I mean, I like this movie, uh, I want to go into it with that, I, I find this, like, a very funny movie, I feel like this is, like, a, it's not a movie that, like, everybody needs to watch, it's not one of those kind of movies, but it's something that I'm glad exists, and that, st- move, like, films like this need to exist, because we need to, in a world where, uh, we have so much hate, and so much, uh, I guess, misinterpretation, and so much misunderstanding that, we need to take a step back and really kind of learn to laugh at ourselves. I mean, if, if we get to the point where we take ourselves too seriously, we're kind of fucked, in my opinion. Uh, laughter is the medicine for everything. And I feel like to really examine something, like, in depth and really critically, you have to laugh at it. You have to be able to laugh at something. Um, and, I, I mean, even... And, and that's not even in the case of just being a Catholic, but, it, like... Or organized religion. You can apply that to literally any circumstance ever. Um, you need to be able to laugh at it, and and that's and I think that's why we come into this film and a lot of, not even just us, but a lot of moderates, even like in in terms of a religious standpoint, we come and laugh at it because we realize that we need to be able to laugh at something like this to uh, alleviate the problems that are in our in the system, and. And so then there's like people like us, and then who watch the film and enjoy it, and then there are people who watch it and hate it, because I'm not gonna say they can't understand it, but it, I mean the points that Kevin Smith make aren't entirely wrong, and I feel like that's that's a very interesting thing to take in consideration when like I watch this film, and it's something that I I can appreciate. So honestly though, if if it wasn't for this recommendation that you made, I probably wouldn't have watched this film in, like, a really long time. It's not something that's, like, always on my radar. Um, Kevin Smith usually isn't on my radar a lot. Um, it's just not really the kind of film I gravitate to. Not saying it's bad or anything. Um, it's just, I'm more into other types of film. And so, I, I mean, I still love this movie, and I think it is funny, and it is well made. So, I mean, I guess just having said that, I would give this film... 
I don't know, a 3.5 out of 5 stars. It's an enjoyable movie, and you can sit down and have fun with it. And also, it you can think about it afterwards, which I appreciate. Okay. Yeah, um, I agree with what you say. Um, I'm probably not going to have a uh, as a long-winded closing remarks. Um, I... I think that I, I agree with what you said, and that it was interesting that movies like this should exist. Um, I think films like this should allow like conversations to be had, but also have laughter be had as well. Um, nothing that's overly serious, but nothing that's overly like satirical. Um, uh, I I I liked I love the writing of Kevin Smith in here. Um, I like the portrayals of everyone in it. I think it's it's like a, I think it's it's on that line of not going overboard, but it's also it's just like it's it's right that nice happy median. And um, I don't know. I, and something about like I like the messages that it has to say, and especially the ones of no one's right. No one's right or wrong. It's all I, I about love, having I love, faith. I love the message of tolerance in this film. I think it's something that a lot of people, a lot of us, can take a take a page out of in terms of tolerance. Yeah, and especially in uh, the modern the modern age, in a time where we're growing up, where there's lots of hate speech and um, fear and fear spreading and fear mongering yeah, and rabble rousing. Yeah, and just prejudice and racism. I think a message like this is really needed. But, so, with that being said, I think this film uh, is a 4 out of 5 stars. Um, I would recommend this to... I think everyone should see this movie. I would recommend this. Uh, high recommend. So, once again, a 4 out of 5 stars for Dogma. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the episode then. Uh, should I give a hint towards uh, next week? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, ne- next episode... Uh, is Brian's recommendation, and I I feel like all I gotta say is that he is a star. Yeah. Also, some people think I look like Han Solo. How much but, do you How much do you squat? How much do you deadlift? Uh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I we I count the three. We both say it. one, two, Wait, three. I, oh yeah. You didn't say anything. Neither did you. <laughs> okay. Well, that that should That's, be a good that should be hint. a yeah. It should be a good enough hint. Um. And so, yeah, so once again, thank you for listening to this episode of Amateur Tours. If you like what you heard, uh, leave a like, comment, or uh, subscribe, subscribe, do whatever, share, do- tell your sister, thank you. Tell your, tell, your, tell your mom, tell your tell your dad, tell your friend. Tell your grandfather, grandmom, tell everybody. Tell everyone. All right, um, so once again, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Amateur All Tours. If you like what you've heard, want to leave a review, or even make a possible suggestion for Brian and I to discuss, you can follow us on Instagram at The Amateur All Tours, on Facebook at Amateur All Tours Podcast, or even send us an email at The Amateur All Tours Podcast at gmail.com. Once again, The Amateur All Tours Podcast at gmail.com. That is one word. Cover design was composed by Sarah Jacobs. You can find more of her work at her own website, Digital Adventures. Opening and closing theme was performed by the CCH Jazz Ensemble, which was found using a Creative Commons search. Once again, we would like to personally thank you for supporting the show. Stay tuned for future episodes, be sure to let us know what you think, and thank you once again. (laughs) 